0: We're on Taylor Simmons, part two. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing today?
1: Good, man. Good. You know, I just got back from a workout. I just chugged three Coke zeros and I'm like fired up and ready to go. Brain is in full, full go, go, go mode. So yeah, I'm excited to be back.
0: Let's go. I love that. And I know it's you're cool. waking up at like 3 a.m. right now to build this cohort. So can you tell me a little bit about this cohort, what it's going to look like? What's your daily schedule look like leading up to this?
1: yeah dude, it's it's been a lot of work um getting up at 3 or 4 a.m because i also have like investments and like rental units that i got to take care of plus running the ghostwriting agency i just found that when i was getting up at like eight or nine from the second i was up it's like my phone was ringing i was in calls all day and i wasn't able to be very productive and i was messaging my copywriter who's helping me with the cohort launch, and he's like yeah man i was the most productive when i was waking up at 3 a.m and we were just kind of shooting the shit about it. and he's like yeah, we could do a whole accountability thing and, you know, actually help each other get up at 3 a.m. to be more productive. And I'm like, that's going to suck, but I'll, I'll try it. And honest to God, since I started getting up at anywhere between 3 and 4 is usually what I aim for, my productivity is insane. Like I finish most of like the stuff I need to get done before the sun's even up. And then I take like a work break and I just sit outside and like watch the sunrise. And I'm like, the day is already done. We're good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. How are you keeping the discipline to wake up at that time? Cause I know myself, if I did that for like one or two days by the third day, I'd probably be like, all right, this is just too much.
1: You know, Dale and I were chatting about this actually at lunch today, like my co-founder about, uh, he had this really wise thing he said, he said, uh, your character is defined by the rules you set for yourself. And I like heard that and was like, holy shit. Like he's so right. Like you can tell a person's character by what rules they have. So like in your case, if you go to the gym, like five days a week, that's like a rule that defines your character if you i uh, like do deep work four hours a day that defines your character because those are the rules you set for your life and um, one thing that i'm working on is being more true to my word and like actually when i say something i'm gonna do it so the second i, I told ryan like yeah dude i'll get up at 3 a.m with you and then i told dale i told dakota and dakota fucking laughed at me He was like you're gonna do that for maybe like a couple days and there's no way you're gonna keep doing it and I was just like, no, like, I said it. It doesn't matter if it sucks. Like, I want my character to be defined as someone who stays true to his word. And because I said I was going to do that till after my launch, I have to do it. Because I don't want to become the person who doesn't like follow through with the things that I say I'm going to do. So that's been a strong enough why for me to actually do it.
0: I love that philosophy and there's no worse feeling than like setting an intention to do something and then not doing it. And I've been guilty of that so much in my life, but when you set yourself that rule and then you actually stick to it, that's how you build self-confidence. Hormozzi has a great quote. It's like, you don't build confidence by shouting affirmations in the mirror. You build it by having an undeniable stack of evidence that you are the person you say you are. And like every day you wake up at 3am, that character builds. So what are you working yep. on specifically for the cohort in those early hours?
1: Yeah. So for the cohort, we are really deep in what I call like the pre-launch campaign. Like we want to, we want to do it right. And one thing that I'm saying to myself is I don't think we're going to hit like half a million dollars in revenue. Like I don't, like almost impossible, like <laughs> impossible that we actually hit that number. But I ask myself, what type of things would I have to do to hit half a million in revenue? And like, let's do those things. So starting um, Friday, coming up, so like a week from today, we're going to do 10 days where there's a newsletter a day, a thread a day. We're going to weave videos into the threads like that are actually showing people how to do all the actionable advice. We're going to give away a free video course for those that don't feel like they can drop the money right now or afford the cohort. Um, you know, we got to get the affiliate marketing ready. We got to get the copy ready, the design. We got to get the custom code, the back end, the end like upsells. Like, there's just so much that has to be done to do this pre-launch campaign at the level that I feel someone would do it to hit half a million dollars. So there's, we're, we're feeling the time crunch for sure. And just like, you know, writing so much content, figuring out in the marketing, like, what things should we be talking about? What things do we feel are going to get people excited about this cohort? How can we make it not just another cohort that people are doing on Twitter, but an experience that people are actually excited about? And that's what we've been spending a lot of our time on. So literally when I get up, it's like, okay, if I just at least write the marketing content and get that done, then that would be like a big needle mover before I get caught in like emails and calls and operations and all that crap.
0: Gotcha. And I think the timing of this podcast should line up well, because I plan on releasing this next Friday. So when you start launching all this, so hopefully that that adds a little bit of traction there for you. (laughs) Um, as far as like the, the intricacies of this cohort, like, can you talk about some of the core philosophies or core ideas that might separate this from other Twitter growth, Twitter, personal branding academies out there?
1: Yeah. So the whole growth aspect, like I'm actually not a big fan of, and I'd say where I'm really excited about this cohort is this is something that I actually truly believe in. Like I'm so bullish and passionate on this idea. And that's allowing me to finally do something that I just feel I'm really excited about. Like ghostwriting is cool. I like ghostwriting. I like the money that you can make ghostwriting. But I never felt like I woke up in the morning and was passionate about ghostwriting. Like what I'm doing now is something I'm just like, yes, I believe people should do this. Let's go. And it's a cohort based around building your digital identity, which is the term that my co-founder and I, Dale, coined for personal brands. And it's like, okay, build your digital identity, because that is the one thing that you can do that will actually fix almost every area of your life. And I truly believe that, like, that sounds like such a huge ask, but it's like, okay, in order to execute at the highest quality as a top creator, you have to build that's to create really good content. You have to like, be very intentional with what you're creating. You have to understand your market. You have to understand yourself. So you have this major self-improvement vehicle that's pushing you to be the best version of yourself. So you can share that online as an extension of who you are. As you're also scaling, you're going to quality audience. And I'll come back to that in a sec, because I think that's really important. We're talking quality audience growth here and influence. You are going to get so many income opportunities, whether it's being able to launch a business and already having a customer base for people to sign up, whether it's, um, getting other job opportunities that you wouldn't have got otherwise, because your quote unquote digital resume is so good that people just hire you over your competitors. There's also like mentorship opportunities. Like with ghostwriting, no one really talks about this, but I think the mentorship opportunities are the best part of ghostwriting. Everyone always talks about making 10K per month, but like, dude, I've landed mentorships from entrepreneurs worth like a hundred million dollars because I ghostwrite for them. And they've just coached me on online business. Like, that's insane. The only reason I got those opportunities is because I built a digital identity. Like it, it just solves so many problems in your life. Like you, you can travel the world you can be free. You can launch businesses. You can work whenever you want to. Like you're, you're doing self-improvement. Like you have all these opportunities. It's just like, it's the one thing that'll just fix so many areas. So why not just do them instead of like selectively fixing them one thing at a time? Like just knock like five of them off the board and just make your life instantly And that's why I'm so bullish on this. Like, it changed my life. And I want to, like, show other people, you build this quality audience, your life will actually change in a meaningful way. You're talking about confidence. You want evidence. Like, build a digital identity. You'll be confident. You will have evidence of, like, your capabilities.
0: I can... 100% resonate with everything you said and second everything you said because if I go back a year ago I was into all this self-improvement stuff But like there was nobody to share that experience with and I was just like some random college kid doing all this on my own Nobody knew about me, but because I decided to start sharing my ideas online Like I would have never met you had I not shared my ideas online and because we had that connection You actually referred me to a ghostwriting client, which helped me leave college and then do this full time. And now I'm like scaling my own personal coaching and like helping people at scale with the stuff I was doing beforehand with like the personal development, the systems, the productivity, all that stuff I was learning. Now I can share it at scale because of this digital identity. And another thing that really resonates is like the opportunities begin to come to you once you build that digital resume because a year ago, nobody knew my name. And then just a couple weeks ago, I got an offer for a ghostwriting gig, like a full-time ghostwriting gig, full-time job, moved to Austin, Texas, like over a hundred K salary. And this is for somebody who just dropped out of college and like has no formal resume. I don't even have a resume. My resume is my Twitter account, which is wild. And so for anybody out there that's like maybe on the border or skeptical of like, okay, like I could see like, maybe this would help, but I don't know if it would really help that much. Like my job, my college, that's more important. I don't know. I'm speaking from experience that opportunities have come to me by building this digital identity that I never would have expected, but you just have to like take a step and get your foot in the arena. And then once you're in the arena, I have this idea of like, as long as you stay in the arena and you don't quit, you can't lose. You only lose if you quit the game. If you just stay in the game for a long enough time, eventually you figure out your niche within that game. And I'm a big fan of like your niche within that game is you. So I was wondering if we could talk a little bit more on like that niche of one idea with the personal brand and digital identity
1: yeah of course the niche one is a it's a big problem for a lot of creators in the beginning and i know i struggled with it like dude i started as like a men's dating account which is so funny (laughs) to think about now because i just would never like post about that kind of stuff i was like generic self-improvement on psychology i was stoicism and then dakota kind of like forced me into being a writing account he's like no you're gonna do writing it's gonna work it's your niche you're a good writer. And I was like, all right, Daddy Dak, whatever. <laughs> and I, like went into like writing. But where I'm at like now with the whole niche thing is I actually think it's more complex. And everyone's like, it's niche of one, or it's like niche in the transformation. And I look at it like this is first off, like what are your goals? Like, is your goal to build an audience to monetize? Okay. If your goal is to monetize, then you have to kind of play with the market a little bit. Because you need other people to like give you money in exchange for value. So like, what does the market find valuable? What like little segments of the market will find what you have to offer valuable. So let's say that you're like, okay, well, I'm a marketer. It's like, okay, cool. That's a a very broad niche. That's like maybe a little too broad to like monetize right away. But then I like Kieran Drew's thing, Kieran Drew's like niche into transformation. I think it's great. It's like, okay, I'm not only a marketer, I'm actually a ghostwriter who helps founders build um maybe like digital identities so that they can sell their products and make like six figures a year it's like okay cool that's a cool transformation it's like personal brand to income or to like make it more granular maybe you could do email copywriting that gets um grows you a newsletter by like five thousand subs per month so you can monetize it or sell it later it's like great good transformation like newsletter this many followers like once you add the transformation aspect, I think it becomes a lot easier to monetize a brand. And the reason people sleep on it is because you can't do the transformation aspect without skills. So you have to learn the high value skills to be able to offer it. And that's one of the hurdles that people have to overcome is skill acquisition. But I think it's totally worth it. Now, getting into the next part of your question with like the niche of one, I actually think that the niche of one thing is more about positioning within the niche than being the niche itself. Because let's say that I'm like a writing account and I'm a content, I talk about content creation. My experiences as a content creator become my unique perspective that I'm able to talk about. And that's my positioning within the market. So there's like maybe Dan Coe talks about content, Kieran Drew talks about content, Dakota does, I think Matt Nick does as well, like I do, but I have a very different experiences from them. So although we're in the same niche, I guess you could kind of argue that I'm like the niche of one, but I just look at it as positioning. Like if I see a popular topic, like um, what might be one for content creation? Like write viral hooks. It's like, you know, viral hooks perform really well. They're what 80% of your content is going to um, credit the results to. It's like, okay, what is my experience writing hooks? What things have helped me? How do I actually internalize it and make sense of it so that I can replicate a process? And then when I share that, That becomes my unique position on a popular topic that everyone else talks about. I think that's how you play the content creation game effectively is you look at what things are popular, you try them in the real world, you implement them until you understand them, and then you share the experience of implementation and the results that you got. And that becomes your positioning within the niche.
0: Yes, I love that. And to piggyback off of it, something that I've noticed recently is, okay, you take these more broad concepts, like let's say how to grow on Twitter, how to write a good hook, or just how to stay aligned, how to get on self-improvement. And you filter it through the way you see the world. And so what yeah. I've trans transitioned more into lately is like the philosophy and spirituality aspect. And because yeah. my content has shifted more that way, the people who I'm getting attention from on my tweets and the people who are coming to me for coaching mm-hmm. and mentorship and consulting, they all resonate with that unique message. They're like, I haven't seen other creators talk about spirituality in terms of like how to become a creator. Um, I really resonate with like your stuff, Justin Scott's stuff, Dan's stuff. And they come to you. They're attracted to you because you are signifying something that they look up to. And so that's why I'm a big fan of like, whatever your unique take is on the world, share that right. Or else you're going to blend in with all the other accounts. And so a problem that I think I see on Twitter right now is like, there's so many people just doing the same exact things. Like they're talking about how to grow. They're trying to grow an account by talking about how to grow. So let's say somebody come into your cohort under that mindset. How do you think they transition from that more broad, platitude ish type of content to something that actually separates them?
1: Yeah. So a few action steps I would say is first off uniqueness is self awareness plus courage. I truly believe that as a content creator, like your unique content is first, you have to have the self-awareness to know how, what do I actually think about this? How do I actually feel about this? What is my experience with this topic? And then you have to have the courage to actually share it, even though you could be rejected for your authentic self. So I I think that's Mm. the first step is a lot of people are very afraid of failure and posting something that is maybe a little risky and they could get them quote unquote canceled or like a lot of blowback, a lot of pushback. Um, that people might not like, but like honestly, you have to have the courage to just be yourself and you have to have the self-awareness to know what that self is. So that's what I would say is the first thing. Um, The second one is to get the unique experiences, you have to actually do stuff. And I think that's why there's not going to be a huge saturation with unique content because the internet rewards you for um, the perception of yourself. And in other words, like people will view you through the lens of what you write, not through the lens of how you act. That's like one disconnect with the internet to reality. So people think like, okay, if I just say the other things that are working, then I can be perceived as that person. But the problem is you can't speak authentically unless you've done it and you have the experience. Like when I talk about ghostwriting and one of my most popular threads that I got the most DMS about is when I talked about how I scaled my agency to 70 K per month and it actually broke my systems. And i had one client that like house of cards my entire business and i went into like a depression i wasn't really happy with the vehicle like you can't write a thread like that unless you've done like you have to do it so the, the thing i would say to be more unique and it's actually like pretty straightforward people on youtube blow up on this stuff all the time like scroll through twitter and look at what's really popular and what people are saying and let's you know for productivity maybe they're saying do the pomodoro technique do the pomodoro technique for seven days And then actually reflect on like did i like it did i not like it did it work did it not work what are the shortcomings what would i prefer if it didn't work or like do i recommend people do it and then just write about that like actually do things in the real world so you have experience like it it sounds so simple that it's like bad advice but it's actually true it's like you can't just sit there and rewrite what everyone else is saying like take topics that are popular and that people care about and that they have an awareness around like take action in the real world and then share that experience. Like now you have uniqueness.
0: Hundred percent. And I can I have a couple ideas based off that point that that I really like. So for example, I wrote a Andrew Huberman thread, and you see a million of those on Twitter, right? Like everybody's talking about yeah. Huberman's top five tips. But mine went so viral that he retweeted it, and it got like five million views because I filtered it through my lens because I said. Yeah. I I went through this self-improvement journey. I tried all these different things. Here are the top 10 things I learned from Huberman that helped me in my personal growth journey. And then I laid them out and gave my own take on like how that experience felt. And so it's so valid and it's such a good point. I never thought about it like that until now you say it. And now it's helping me understand like, okay, that's why that thread went viral because I gave my unique nuanced take. There's another guy on YouTube named Andrew Kirby. He like, he grew a huge following millions of subscribers, I believe and his whole idea is like content synthesis And so he grew huge yeah. on YouTube Like I tried Marcus Aurelius morning routine for 30 days and like millions yeah. of views, right? Because yeah. it's a really validated idea. Everybody knows Marcus Aurelius. Everybody knows Andrew Huberman. But like what is your experience with it? I, I love that take. Yeah. I absolutely love that take going back to your first point about like you need self-awareness and courage. How can somebody build self-awareness?
1: That's a really tough one. This one, um, I think you, you build it through reflection, I would say, is uh, probably reflection and iteration. Like you have to do things and then reflect on like how you honestly feel about them and what like your your unique perspective is. Like that that would probably be like one thing. Um, Another thing too is like people will tell you. Like I think your friends will tell you, and if you create enough content, the framing of your content will also tell you. Like you just have to look for the signs. Like I I've noticed writing for a lot of people that there are very tactical micro thinkers, and then there's big picture thinkers. So for example, like Dan Co is a big picture thinker. Like philosophy as, as a general idea is usually a big picture type of thing. It's like okay, looking at the overarching idea of your entire life. Like how should you act? looking at like the span of like until you're old like how should you be like that's thinking of the big picture perspective of someone's life now if someone else maybe like Joey Justice is like hey here's how to be productive on a day-to-day basis like he's thinking as a micro like tactical thinker so like there's one thing right there you can become more self-aware of is like do you see the world in terms of like big picture like long time horizons or do you see the world as like a day-to-day like you know like my emotions are always fluctuating and i'm very in my emotions or like i'm very tactical and i want to share very tactical advice like that there's something you can become more self-aware about but if you just create a lot of content i think it'll your personality will start to shine and you just need to get the reps like i'll say when i started on twitter man 18 months ago i kind of forget about this like I, unless i think about it i really didn't want to post like i was scared shitless. like i honestly was so scared to post i'm like people aren't gonna like it What if I say something dumb? What if, like, somebody corrects me and it's completely wrong? And, like, then how am I going to feel about it? Uh, I don't know what I I have to say. I don't know, like, what people are going to want to hear. Like, how do I make sure my writing's as good as, like, other people? I'm going to be compared to them. And I just started writing. And for the first six to seven months, it was garbage. Like, absolute hot garbage writing. The ideas didn't make any sense. I had no idea who I was and what I wanted to say. But, like, the common advice that writing... Is like ordered consciousness or like journaling helps you like sort through your own mind like if you just start writing on twitter and you reflect on it and like you'll just become more self-aware like it's the act of like developing self-awareness is probably writing and reflecting on said
0: writing i think that's really well said and i can resonate with the being scared as hell at first on twitter i remember like sitting in my college dorm room like with the tweet ready to be sent because I'd been following Dakota and like I saw his Twitter. I was like, uh, and one of my friends was like, dude, you should be writing on there too. Cause I was writing a newsletter at that point. And I had my whole college football team following me. I had my whole high school basically following me. And I'm like, Oh my God, what is everybody going to think of me? And I remember hitting send and just like cringing so hard. I was like, what the hell did I just do? But now at this point, I don't even think twice. Now it's just like, Oh, I have an idea. I'll put it out there. Right. And so one of my coaching clients actually asked me the question. He's like, I don't know what to write about like I I don't know what my voice is like how can I find my voice and my advice to him was like, you don't find your voice by thinking about what your voice is you find your voice by doing the thing and eventually it evolves as you progress because your writing ability on day one is not going to be the the same as on day 100 or imagine day 1000 and you'll be able to so much better articulate your thoughts through the written word because Nicholas Verge put this really well. He's like, writing is so powerful because there's a disconnect between the mind and the paper or the keyboard. And so to be a really clear writer, you have to become a really clear thinker. So it's like a force and forcing function for understanding yourself and understanding your own mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on like how one could find their voice through writing.
1: No, I actually agree with like everything that you said there. Um, I also think of it like, if I make the analogy that no one ever asks, like, how do I speak more authentically? Like, what's my speaking voice? Like, they just speak. But, like, your friends that are close to you can usually imitate you if they wanted to. Like, they, they can just, like, make fun of you and mock you in your voice. So you don't try to have a speaking voice, but you have one. And your writing voice is probably just your speaking voice. You just need to learn how to stop being so critical and analytical about it and just write the way that you would speak. Mm. Um, but one, like, other tip that hasn't been said yet is, like, what creators do you resonate with? And they probably write kind of similar to you to some degree because we tend to like resonate with people who remind us of ourselves or the person that we want to be like i think that was like um something i learned in a college that was actually extremely valuable something you know for once but like <laughs> i had a personal development uh, teacher who said that he's like whoever you look up to you probably look up to them because you see yourself in them so if you go to like other writing accounts like i really resonate with these writers maybe you see like your writing voice or who you want to be or like a kind of an angle or a type of approach that you would take. And that's probably why you resonate with them. So that can give you a lot of direction as well.
0: That's another great point. And now I'm thinking about like the writers and the creators who I really resonate with. It's been like, it's been a gradual evolution, but it's been like Jordan Peterson, like Dan Coe, Justin Scott, as of recently, Naval, delving more into like Alan Watts. And now, like, as I continue to consume more of these people, I realize my writing style starts to reflect them. Not to say I'm mimicking them or copying them, but like your writing style is developed by what you read. And I've heard this quote. It's like, every great writer has read a lot or lived a lot. And so that goes back to like doing stuff in the real world, which I think if you can do both, if you can read a lot and have a lot of life experiences, you'll have so much content and ideas to draw on. Um, but one thing going back to that awareness piece and like the introspection and reflection, something that's been huge for me for this has been doing psychedelics and massively introspecting. And I know you had a recent experience, so can we talk a little bit about what that was like?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm assuming you mean doing ayahuasca. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude, ayahuasca was crazy. Um, I've done like mushrooms, LSD, stuff like that before, but ayahuasca was really incredible because it felt like um, this medicine like went inside of me and unlocked my subconscious mind. Um, And to preface this, like one thing I'm really thinking about in terms of peak performance is peak performance is alignment of your conscious and subconscious mind. That's when you hit peak performance. Mm. Um, And what ayahuasca did is it felt like it went in and it looked at my conscious mind. It was like, okay, this is like the goals and the rules of where you want to go. And it understood it. Like, it felt like it knew me better than I knew myself. And then it felt like the medicine went to my subconscious mind and was like, okay, what's going on back here? Like, what do you actually believe? What's hardwired in your brain and your nervous system? And are these two things aligned or are they disconnected? And the ayahuasca is like, ooh! like when it first really hit me, it actually felt like um, a spirit snake, as weird as that sounds like, going through my body. And it was like looking for parts of my nervous system that were tight and it would like poke them and it'd be like. Ooh, like what, what the heck is this like why is this part of your body so tight like there's something in your subconscious mind that's like you've never let go of you're like holding on to it it's not like it's not serving you anymore Like, you need to get it out and it just allowed me in the first session to get out all of this trauma and all this baggage that was embedded in my like brain and my nervous system that was holding me back from becoming the person that i want to be and then i felt so light and so free and was like Oh, like my limiting beliefs have just been shattered. Like, I feel like a new person. And in order to do that, like, if you think about rewiring your nervous system or your brain, that usually comes from a like, conscious effort. Most people actually don't know this. I, maybe it's modern science, but your brain's like um, moldability actually changes after the age of 25. And you can still change your brain circuits with extremely high amounts of conscious effort in one particular area. So when people say you can't change after 25, it's not true. It's that it takes a lot more effort and um, we'll say consistency to change. But it felt like ayahuasca just went in and was like, oh, like these parts of your brain here, like they're not really working for where you want to go. Instead of it taking you five or 10 years to change them, like, boom, we're just going to route around them so you don't have to do that. And that's what it felt like it did.
0: Wow. Wow. That's a crazy experience. I haven't had it yet. I probably will at some point in the future. And we talked about this uh, a couple of days ago on a call. Like I was debating, like, okay, I'm only 21. Maybe I don't want to delve into this quite yet. But you, you told me that you wish you did it earlier. Um, and so yeah. now my beliefs around that are kind of changing. But I remember I texted you after I knew you went and had this experience, and I said, like, how was it? And you responded and you said, like, my family tells me I'm a completely new man. Like, I just feel so different. So what are some of those specific things that you feel changed in yourself?
1: Yeah, dude, that um, a lot of my friends are like, dude, you're actually a new person. Like, you look lighter. You don't take yourself so seriously. You seem a lot more confident and like assured of yourself. Um, My girlfriend was even like, you went into that as a boy and left a man." Like, literally, that's what my girlfriend said. I was like, holy crap. I was like, sucks my girlfriend always seen me as a boy for all these years. But (laughs) I was like, great that it's changed now. Um, But I I think the biggest things that changed were, like, ayahuasca is a very experiential drug. It's like, they say that you get downloads, and it's so true. Like, it was um, showing me, like, the version of myself that I could be, and it, it didn't make me into that person, but it opened that door. So, okay, imagine you're like trying to get to 10K per month as a content creator, and you have all these other people that have done it. So to them, they're like, okay, I've seen the door, I've opened it, and I've walked through it. And now that door is always open. If I want to make 10K per month, I just walk through it. But until you've done it, you just hear of all these other people doing it. But it's not like a reality for you. Like you don't have this like firm belief that like, oh, yeah, I just go to that door, open it, and then I can make 10K per month. It felt like what the ayahuasca did is it's like, oh, do you want to be confident? Well, I'm going to show you like you're going to experience true confidence. And now you have a reference point in your mind of like a frame of being that you can be. It doesn't mean you're all of a sudden a confident person. But now when I'm like, oh, like, what would it be like to be confident? I'm like, oh, I know that I've experienced it. It's like what would it feel like to be mission driven and purpose driven and like be so unwavering in the things that I'm going to accomplish in life that I will not compromise for anyone. I I know what that's like. What would it feel like to be like so madly in love with like your girlfriend and like to see her as this like perfect, like radiant feminine beauty and to be like an anchor as like a masculine man for her to kind of like dance around and just like be her true self. Like I felt that in that ceremony, like everything that I wanted, but ayahuasca was like, we're going to get you there. And now that those doors are opening your brain, like you've been that person, you have the choice just to continue to walk through it and like become that person more often or more consistently. And that was like, I would say the biggest change that happened to me is that everything that I wanted that felt out of reach, ayahuasca is like, I just put it within your grasp, but you still have to do the work and you have to go get it.
0: Have there been times post the experience where you haven't been acting in alignment with that higher self and you've brought yourself back to it because of that experience? Yes,
1: 100%. I this point in my life, you know, I always used to see like this version of me that I could be as like one day I'm going to get there and then I'm always that person. Like, I am now the best version of myself. I just don't think that's true anymore. I think the best version of ourself is like a choice that has to be made every single day. And you know Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson, like a lot of other people say a version of this, but it really resonated with me after that. It's like, don't believe things that make you feel weak. Like don't do things that make you feel weak. And when I did AYA, there was like certain things that I thought and believed that made me a better version of myself. And then when I'm off of it, there's certain things I could think and believe that make me a weak version of myself that I don't feel very powerful. Like, for example, let's say that I really want to go to the gym five days a week and I miss, like, two days a week. There's this voice in my head that's like, you're not a fitness person. You're, like, you miss two days in a row. Like, you're not the kind of person who takes this health seriously. And then I start having all of this, like, layered judgment around myself. And it doesn't make me feel good. Like, I feel very week and then there's this other voice that's like oh we missed two days in a row why don't we go tomorrow why don't we go today and i'm like yeah let's just go today and then i leave the gym and i feel great and i like feel confident and i'm like i did something that i wanted to do and like the, the eye just showed me it's such a choice man and like like there's just certain ways of like viewing the world in situations that will just not make you feel good and they're not going to take you in a positive direction even if they are like scientifically true and then there's other things that you can believe and think and feel about yourself and you can and they cause you to act in ways that create evidence for you being that person and you might as well believe those things
0: i definitely resonate with that stuff all of it and it's interesting that like you've followed these people beforehand like let's say a jordan peterson who is like telling you how to act in accordance with your highest self. And you know it, you think you know it, you have an idea of what that would be like, and you sh- is, is giving you a glimpse into what it would feel like. You have this experience where you are in this elevated state of consciousness. That's how I really feel it is. It's like the drug is to be in that elevated state of consciousness, almost a state of enlightenment, potentially. And so then you have a real understanding like, oh, this is what Jordan Peterson means when he says this. Like you actually feel it in your soul yeah. and you can carry that. Not even on every day, but like every minute of every day. I was having this thought the other night and I tweeted this. It was like, if at every moment of your day, you can just act in alignment with your higher self, everything will take care of itself. Your money problems, your girl problems, everything will take care of itself. If you can hold that in your mind, I think where I sometimes have slipped up in the past is I lose sight of that higher self and I just completely slip into degeneracy. So for you, like, do you have any practices that keep you in that higher state or keep you aligned that you try to do on a daily, weekly basis?
1: You know, I don't know if this is the right answer to this question, but this is my, my co-founder Dale and we were chatting about today, actually. So this is what comes to mind: is was um, like an ambitious person, or like a Type A. Like, I feel like I have the curse of ambition. Like, it's kind of this, like, double-edged sword where when you're really ambitious, you can achieve a lot, but it's so easy to fall short of your own expectations that you feel like shit. And what I've noticed is if I don't do hard things, I just feel like myself. Like, maybe the real answer to this is self-awareness, like, or meta awareness, like, not only being self-aware of who you are, but also having the meta awareness to be aware of your feeling about your feelings. that's a really big one. Like, oh, I'm feeling bad. And then you feel bad for feeling bad or like, oh, I missed the gym, so I feel like crap. And now like, oh, I'm like lazy and I'm such a piece of crap. And now I feel bad. I'm beating myself up about like not going to the gym. It's like, you know, like, I find if I just do hard things, I feel good about myself. And like, that sounds so oversimplified, but it's true. If like, I said that I was going to get up at 3 or 4 AM, so I do it. And does it suck to get up? Yeah. But does it suck even more if I sleep in? And then the first thought I have in the day is like, fuck, I let myself down. Like, that's a worse feeling than just getting up at three. Like, going to the gym and, like, experiencing the pain of the weights is not as painful as not going and feeling like a loser. Like, not, like, knowing what I can do. Like, there's this curse, I think, of responsibility that once you know what you should be doing, you now, like, will just feel like crap if you don't do it it's a total curse man like as a creator i know i should be putting out like two newsletters a week i should be writing two threads two tweets a day repurposing to linkedin like like working on my agency working on the next product if i don't do that stuff like i can't delude myself like i know that i'm not doing what i need to do and i just feel like crap so to be the best version of myself I just do the hard things that I know that I should do, realizing that if I don't do them, I'm just going to feel worse. And I would rather not feel bad. I'd rather feel temporarily bad doing things. So that's like, that's how I view it.
0: Yeah, it is definitely such a double edged sword, the high achieving mentality. Because, okay, yes, you're going to achieve more, you're going to make more money, you're going to live a great lifestyle. That you're very proud of, but at the same time, it's like it's never quite enough. You know, the standard you have to live up to. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I went to a coffee shop in the afternoon just to like do some extra work cleaning some stuff up because I was a little bit stressed because I'm like in the process of trying to build my own coaching program, these modules and everything. And I was like, oh my God, I was feeling so overwhelmed, so tense. And I was watching this guy who works as a barista at this coffee shop. Like he works on the beach, he surfs all the time, he's just super chill. And it got me thinking like, damn, like that's kind of a sweet life. Like he doesn't have this curse of like, fuck, should I be doing more? So it's something to balance. Um, Something that helped me actually get out of that mental state last night. And I recommend anybody watch this video that's like a high achiever, or stressed a lot. Um, It's called Work as Play by Alan Watts. And I could link it down in the show notes too. But I watched that thing last night after I was stressing, and I've watched it so many times now, and it's just such a good mental reminder of, like, this stress, it's, like, all self-imposed, right? If you actually think about the environment you're in, like, we're all – we're fine. We're not starving. We're not hungry. We're okay. Um, And you can choose to see the work as a burden or you could choose to see it as something – that is playful, like a game or a dance. And if you zoom out, that's kind of what all this social media stuff is anyway, right? It's like the great yeah. online game. It is a game. And so yeah. that helped me reframe my mind so that this morning when I went and I wrote my first email, my email sequence, and I wrote my first module of my course, I didn't see it as such a burden. I saw it as like something that was pure creation and playful. And so that's, that's been a huge mental reframe for me whenever I'm feeling tense. Like, how can I make this feel like play?
1: Good. It removes like the judgment. I have a really weird reframe that I recently around uh, getting rid of stress and like tension. This is it? I never even thought I'd ever share this publicly. So this will be like one of the weirdest <laughs> things I ever said.
0: I guess. But perfect.
1: <laughs> um. Okay, so I was reading the book The Way of the Superior Man. Basically, like because my girlfriend and I are talking about getting, you know, looking at. I'm researching a lot into like the relationship dynamics right now, and there was a quote in there. That made me kind of laugh, and then it had a lasting impression on me. It it talks about how like women do shit tests. You know what a shit test is? Have this?
0: Yes, yes, I've read the book yeah, too. It's so, a great book. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So, the, the
1: shit test thing—how like women will just test you to like see if you actually stand behind
0: what you say and what you
1: do, and if you're strong enough to maybe like be with their feminine energy—that's kind of like chaotic or like their emotions are always changing or something, right? And in the book, it's like you know, you always withstand your woman's shit test, right? Like you stand strong, you like believe in what you say. If it's like even challenging you, you're going to rise to the occasion and you're going to like win the challenge because that's what being masculine is. Like, I, I actually agree. Like, I think that way of looking at masculinity is very healthy. But then it said in there, view the world as feminine and when it tests you, like fuck it to smithereens. And <laughs> kind of left. I was like, that's so aggressive. But then I was like, man, view the world as feminine. like." That is such a cool way to view challenges because when yeah. my girlfriend shit-tests me, I'm like, oh, I know it's a shit-test and I should just, like, pass it. But then, like, I don't think of it that way with the world. Like, if something bad happens, I'm like, oh, fuck. And I get this, like, victim mentality of, like, whoa, it's me, this thing's happening. And it's like, there's nothing I can do about it or, like, I never, I never like, deserve this or whatever. But when I just look at the world as feminine and I'm like, okay, something bad happened, like, the world's giving me a shit-test, like, am I going to pass it? I just, like have an easier time with the world's problems for some reason like it, it just like clicked for me where i'm like okay every problem the world throws at me is a shit test like am i not good enough to survive the shit test and now like i feel a lot less stressful about anything that comes up it's weird
0: i don't think it's weird at all i love that mental reframe and like to tie in some jordan peterson and like some some eastern stuff too like the world is feminine like the world is chaos right it has to be navigated yeah. with order and like as the masculine you combat that chaos with your order and like it's called mother yeah. earth it's called mother ayahuasca all of these things are the divine things. feminine energy and like how can we put our masculinity into that and rise above it i love that um another idea that came up when you were talking is Hamza was a big YouTuber I was into a couple months ago. Now I'm not as into his stuff. Um, but yeah. he talked about the Way of the Superior Man a ton. And he was basically like, hold your seed, like channel all that energy into the world. And excuse my language, but he's just like, just fuck the world. Like just just absolutely like ravish the world. So that's, <laughs> that is a wild concept. But I think that's a great mental reframe that I'm going to actually take whenever I'm feeling stressed now.
1: Yeah, I love it, man. Like the masculine, feminine stuff. I wasn't really into it for a long time, but when I was on the ayahuasca retreat, it actually made me more in tune with it. I would say because I think Dakota's opening up like a bunch of lunch. i do not how loud that is over there. It's probably just like crackling like crazy <laughs> in the mic. It's
0: all good. We'll keep it raw. We'll keep it authentic.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, there we go. It's authentic. You have roommates up in here. just like eating a bunch of junk food. Um,
0: just... <laughs> I thought he's cutting. What happened to that? I think he is. I just can't see
1: what he's eating. I think he's eating tacos. <laughs> so off topic. But yeah, so when we went to ayahuasca, there was five guys, um, I think total, and then everyone else um, was like women They or feminine. And, you know, there, Jordan Peterson says this a lot, too. He says in a society where you just leave men and women to like their own devices with less gender roles, like cultural influences, women tend to become more like feminine and men tend to become more masculine. Dude, when we were at, at Aya, by the end of the retreat, all the guys became way more masculine and all the women became way more feminine. Like, even the masculine women that were there that are like, we're boss babes. We are just like masculine, We are crushing it. They literally said on the last day, like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm feminine. And wow. wh- there was this this moment in the second ceremony where um, this certain song was playing. It was very delicate and it was, it was really beautiful because they guide the, the trip with music and I could just feel the feminine energy that all the women were just kind of like swaying and dancing and they wanted to get up and i think they did they got up and they started dancing like really flowy and i didn't feel the need to actually get up and dance with them but like what my gut instinct told me was as the masculine guy like you need to actually sit up taller with your shoulders back and you need to create this safe place for these women to just let it go and be in their emotions knowing that if anything happened the men in the room will take care of it and that will allow them to be more carefree. And later on, we're reflecting on it. We're in this circle and it's called an integration circle and we're chatting about like, here's our experiences, here's our downloads. And I realized that I wasn't spending enough time with women in my life. I was hanging out with guys a lot, but once I spent time with really feminine women, my energy naturally matched their polarity. And I rose to the occasion and became more masculine. So this mm. thing that I said, I was like, I was like, the download I had was that you become more masculine by rising to the chaotic power of the feminine. And all the women are just like, oh, my God. And it was like, it was kind of a funny moment. It was like, that's so true. And I do actually believe that, like, if women want to feel totally free in their emotions and, like, do whatever they feel, they have to know that someone is going to keep the order and keep it together if something. Because otherwise, they're kind of guarded. They can't be as free. And that, to me, was just such a cool moment to understand what it meant to be masculine and to, like, hold space for chaotic feminine energy. And, like, that, you know, we don't want to, like, run away from that energy. We don't want to find it annoying. Like, it's different from us, but it's, like, it can make you such an incredible man. Like, to be a masculine man, I think you have to be able to run with men and dance with women. That's what I would say. That was, like, the true Mm. realization. Damn. What an insight. That
0: is that's fascinating that you came to that conclusion and you really felt it happen. And it's also interesting how like the men naturally gravitated to the more masculine, the the females gravitated to, towards the more feminine and on a societal level, like you said, like that naturally happens as well. Now I think, I think it's a tragedy. Like, I don't know how far we want to go into this, but I think it's a tragedy that like all of these young women are told, like, I need to go get this corporate job and like become this big baller and like make all the money and be the breadwinner. And yes. Okay. That's great. Like they should have the opportunity to do that. Like obviously, but I do believe like, that might be causing a lot of depression in these girls because they're going to have to compete with these super masculine men who can never turn it off. Like, you know, those alpha male business types, like you're probably one of them yourself. Like you're up at 3am grinding, grinding, grinding. And if somebody has more naturally feminine tendencies, they're probably going to want to sleep in and then they can't keep up. And then it's just this whole cycle. Um, But yeah, the masculine feminine polarity is fascinating. I've been observing that as well here a little bit in Costa Rica. I've only been here a little bit, but It seems like people are more in their natural states here. Like I went out last Friday to this bar and all these girls, like these Latina girls, I just see how they move and they move different than the girls from the United States. They're just so free and like, they're just so free in their emotions and their body. And it's, it's fascinating to see that. And you don't see that in this like nine to five corporate feminine trying to be masculine thing in America. I don't know if I'm off there, but that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, no, I I agree
1: with you, man. Um, I think it's great that we have a lot of optionality in today's world, but with optionality doesn't always come uh, happiness and, like, peace of mind, unfortunately, because when you're so free to do whatever you want, you have the burden of responsibility, which sucks. And I think right now, like, the gender roles are kind of forced into being swapped. Like, I do think on a cultural level, um, we are told that men should be more, like, passive and weak and, like, not really... Uh, be ambitious and that women are told they should be more ambitious and I do think it works for some people. Okay, here's maybe a funny example. I watched Game of Thrones for the first time recently. I'd never seen it and I watched the first four seasons and when I watch a movie that just has all these stoic and masculine women, I just am not like I just don't find it to be like a very appealing characters. I just I'm like, ah feels kind of forced. When I watch mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, And you have a majority of masculine men and a majority of feminine women. And then you throw Arya and Brienne in the mix who are like the two masculine like female characters. They are so compelling as like a minority. I think it's like, they just become Mm. so cool because they play off the feminine. And I love that Arya's character is like, she wants to be like more of a guy. Same with Brienne, but the world doesn't see her. And it's a compelling message that i really vibe with. But if you're asking me that, like if I think that most women feel that way, probably not. And I I think that it's important for both men and women just to be self aware. Maybe you do fit into like the opposite role. But like try on try that on for yourself. Like how happy are you? Like how do you feel? I find with like me and my girlfriend in particular, which I can speak more from experience, when we're not like together in person, she becomes like naturally more masculine and takes on more of like I need to, like, work and I care for myself. But when we're together, as long as I can, like, rise to match, like, her fun and energy, she becomes so feminine. Like, so, so feminine. We go vacationing together, she is so different. She's just, like, letting loose, having fun, being very playful. Like, and it, yeah. her energy and her radiance just, like, fills me up so much and just and it's so attractive. And it's just amazing to see. But I find it only happens... When um, when she knows that like I can fill the masculine role, and it makes me wonder like these more masculine women, you know there probably are just like masculine women I know there are for sure. But yeah. if a majority of women would feel more feminine if they were uh, more masculine men, think it would like bring them them and they would feel safe to do so, knowing that it's like a healthy form of masculinity, so that'd be my take on it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you, and I'm curious now because. I, I'm not in a relationship right now. I'm still very young. But do you feel like having that sidekick fuels your business and personal growth to a different level? Dude, I love this question.
1: Um, So I had this crazy download. I did ayahuasca. And um, I did like a form of MDMA therapy, like self-therapy with MDMA. That was extremely helpful as well. I had this download both times. Is I've always like i had a lot of judgment on myself for not having this ambitious edge to just like crush it, become a millionaire and get a Lamborghini and like a yacht. Like there's a lot of these guys that are like, that's what I want. I get up in the morning and I'm like, I want the status and I like, go for it. And I'm so hungry. And I have just never, done that. and I've always felt like maybe I wasn't a man because of that. I wasn't masculine. But I realized that I'm just so driven by providing for a family it, it gives me an edge from a different one. Like mm-hmm. when, when my girlfriend and I started talking about getting married and having kids, I was like, the second that it happens, it's fucking game over for my competition. Like, I will do anything once I have a family to provide for. Like, I have such a strong purpose for getting up and doing the things I don't want to do because my family relies on my income. These kids look up to me as like a father figure and someone that. They want to learn how to model the world from, so I have to be my best self. Like, you know, people can make fun of me all they want and like shit on me for not being able to find that, like, as a single guy, but I just couldn't. But the second I started talking with my girlfriend about marriage and kids, something in me just like lit up and I was like, let's go. Like, my business has grown and like hasn't been in a completely different direction since my girlfriend and I started talking about my kids. And I dude, I just, I swear. About it gives me such a strong mind. makes me so masculine. Like, having kind of her, and, like, her feminine just makes me better. Like, if, if I'm being, like, a boy, she'll check me out, dude. She's not afraid to be, like, I'm not dating a boy. Like, are you going to grow up, or, like, am I going to find another woman? Like, she's not that blunt with it, but she, like, she has that energy to her where she's, like, I don't date boys. Like, grow the fuck up. And... <laughs> I love it, dude. Because I don't want to be a boy. Like I want to be a masculine man who's like who can provide for his family. I love that she just like brings that in me. It makes me so much better in every way. So I like for me, the family aspect is a huge driver. And maybe I get that from my dad. I don't know, but I just like I found when I didn't have a family, I just wasn't as motivated. I just didn't want to do things. I just like it. Was, I lost my edge, but the family for me gives me my edge
0: it's fascinating because it sounds like you're driven by something outside of yourself, like helping other people, doing something to provide yeah. for other people. And I think I can resonate a lot with that too, because I don't give a shit about like a Lamborghini or a mansion or any of that stuff. Like it does not matter to me at all. And I, I always question why I wasn't like driven for that stuff either. Um, and then I stumbled across like the nine stages of ego development actually like via Danco, he's talked about that a lot. And basically like, like the money, the cars, the houses, all that stuff on those lower stages of ego development, like you're very worried about like the materialist, but as you rise up the stages of ego development, and actually that means your ego usually is dissolving. It means you care about things outside of yourself more. So those things are kind of trivial and yeah, maybe you can have them at some point as a byproduct, but to make them the main goal. I don't even know if it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it actually might be a sign of growth like that. That gives me no source of drive and energy. My main download that I got. So to back up, like a couple months ago, I did a solo LSD trip and I'm not recommending this to anybody like at all, but um, it was very helpful for me. And the main download I had is like the impact I want to have, I I don't care even about myself in that very much. I want my message to spread and help other people's lives. I want to shed light on other people's lives. And I realized I want to do that through the mechanisms of podcasting and writing, which can impact millions of lives. That is what is going to keep me on this path. And for a while, I took a little bit of a break with the podcast, but having that download from that, but it came from a place of, okay, like I don't I don't really want to be famous. I don't want millions of dollars from my books, from my podcast, but if the message, podcast, that it, it, it stopped me from taking action. But when I reframed it to how can I impact the world, I've taken more action in the past month, introspective uh, experience and realigning with what I actually wanted to do. Cause I was so caught in this, like, how do I grow followers? How do I make more money? How do I grow a pot or two than I have in like the past year?
1: Love it, dude. I, I can attest to, like, um, Dale and I were talking about this the other day, too. And we haven't really, like, figured out how to internalize it. But um, we were talking about maybe purpose is just what gives you the emotion to, like, persist through the hard things. Like, what's, like, the higher level why? Like, is that purpose? Because I found when I wasn't, like, when I'm not around my girlfriend when I'm talking about family and stuff, I'm still, like, moderately ambitious, like, maybe more than the average person. But I don't have that same level of but the second she's around it's like it chemically like changes me and i'm just like let's go i have so much purpose i'm so hungry like let's crush it and i feel like i have a reason to do things that i didn't have before mm-hmm. which it, which is very odd one download though beyond this that i did have is that it's not healthy to attach like this family-based purpose to a specific woman um, and that it's actually better to just attach it to the overarching mission itself So I would say, like, just for some nuance here, like, my mission is to be able to provide for a family of, like, a really good level of income that gives them a lot of safety and security and spend a lot more time with my kids than the average father can by implementing high leverage. Whether that happens, like, with my current girlfriend or somebody else, I will not compromise that mission. It is my purpose to fulfill that role. I just became aware of that through spending more time with my girlfriend. Like, again, now that that door is open, like, I can't shut it. So that's um i think as a masculine that's very important because when you attach it to one specific woman or one specific woman you all of a sudden can become a little bit compromising in your mission and your values because you want to keep it. but when you attach it to be the mission in general you're actually willing to lose the woman that you're with if it compromises the mission and i think as much as that sounds like it's not healthy i actually think that it allows you to come from a better frame of mind and have a better relationship when you're like
0: All right, we were uh, talking a lot about the masculine and feminine, but for the last couple minutes of this, I kind of wanted to pivot it more to like maybe tactical advice for a new creator. So if you had to like give one piece of advice to yourself who was just starting off, what would you say to him?
1: You know, it's funny because I really hate when people give me this advice, but I would probably say like take more action and be willing to iterate and pivot quicker. I think that's like the thing is like really understanding how knowledge works like naval has a quote that goes something like this like first you're aware of it then you know it and then you are it or something like that it's i'm like super paraphrasing that's a really rough version of that but i, I really realized that like you knowledge and like knowing what to do comes from experiencing it until it's baked into your nervous system I and mean, you can just do it and if you just take like if you're thinking about it all the time and a lot of these creators are always trying to solve everything by thinking like oh, i can't write until i know my niche like oh, like, I'm not a good enough writer yet, so I can't post. It's like, dude, that's just stopping you from actually learning because you're not doing the reps that will allow you to truly understand something and, like, have those downloads. Just take, like, consistent action, but also reflect weekly on, like, what worked and didn't work and do your best and, like, talk to mentors to try to, like, figure those problems out and systematically solve them. You will move so fast with that system. Like, execute quick, be willing to pivot, iterate rigorously, and ask for feedback along the way. If you just do that intentional about it, you will be a success in no time.
0: That is such good advice. And I'd probably give myself the exact same advice if I could go back, but our conversation a couple of days ago really helped me clarify this in my head because you were like, okay, you don't actually know how to do a project or like start a course or community unless you just do the thing. Like you don't actually have knowledge except you have unless you have action. And so I don't know if it was you who said this or somebody else, but there's a quote. It's like the work unveils itself as you go. And that has been really resonating with me over the past couple of days, because if I even take three days ago, I had no email sequence no course, no modules no plan for my coaching clients. And I was so stressed about it. And now that I've just taken action over the past three days, like I see the roadmap in front of me now, but it only happened by acting on that. That knowledge. So I really appreciate you you shining that light on me because that's so helpful. Yeah, no, of course.
1: I've never heard that quote before that that you just said, but damn, that's like that's damn good. And it and I resonate with that too. Like I'm in the middle of a product launch right now. I've never done a product launch before. I'm just doing the best I can, stumbling in the dark. Like there's this part of me that's like I believe in myself and I think we can do it. And there's this other part of me that's like, man, this could fricking fail miserably. Like, I could launch and no one could sign up for this. Like, my marketing could fall flat. I could have targeted the wrong problems. I could have had a bad landing page. I could have priced it incorrectly. There's a million reasons to be scared. Mm. I won't take an action here, like, doing it incorrectly. But I'm just like, let's do the best we can. Let's talk to Dakota and, like, other people who have done it and get their feedback on it and what they think. I have a call with, like, um, Virgil Brewster, I think his name is, tomorrow. He's growing, like, education companies to, like, 10 million. And we're going to talk, like, how do we actually get this to 1 to 3 million in 12 months? Like, talk to those people. And uh, I'm just, you know, I just have a lot of skin in the game. Let's just do the best we possibly can. And if we fall short, at least we can learn and do version two.
0: That's the worst thing happens. I think that's so important for, like, newer creators, especially to hear. It's like, okay, they're probably looking to you as a major authority, right? But you're even saying, like... I don't even know exactly what I'm doing. I'm figuring it out as I go. And that's such a common theme. It's like if you're if you're at the edge of some field or some craft, you're going to have to figure things out by yourself pretty much. You can have input from other people, but it doesn't stop you from doing the work. And there's a there's an interesting idea. It's like When you have a predefined path, like if you're on like the nine to five career track, for example, and the steps are laid out in front of you, you can clearly see the path ahead. But if you're carving your own path, your unique path, it reveals itself one step at a time. Past that path no one has ever walked down before, it only you can't see because it's completely unknown and you're going down your own thing. And so that's why it's like embrace the uncertainty, embrace the not knowing, because that's part of going your own way. If you knew yeah. you wouldn't be on an adventure, you wouldn't be doing anything exciting. That's how I'd try to reframe it in my head.
1: Yeah, I like that you said excitement. Um, going back to like, you know, going real circular to the beginning of this when we talked about how like your best self is a choice. You know, like everything in life is a double-edged sword. Like uncertainty is scary, but it's also exciting. Like you can choose which one you want to go more in on. Like that one especially, um, I've grown to really dance with a little bit more we'll say like uncertainty like I, I felt uncertain and scared as hell when I quit my job to do full-time ghostwriting I was like I, I was scared as crap every time Twitter changes an algo because I'm like man my whole business could go bust if Twitter changes the wrong thing like there's so much uncertainty but there's this like once you look at life as feminine you're like all right what are you gonna do next yeah like, I'll rise to the occasion make me better like when i say like my girlfriend challenges me it makes me a better version of myself like look at life the same way like what what else do you got from like for me I'll rise to the occasion and like i'll do everything i can to not be broken to become better and i just think that's a healthier way to approach life
0: i agree i didn't expect this conversation to turn the overarching theme of it to be like embrace the femininity of the world but like i absolutely love it i absolutely love it it's so true um, we're coming up on probably a little bit over an hour here with the cut. So I think it might be a good time to wrap up, but before we do, if you want to just promo the cohort, when is it releasing? What can people expect? Where can they find it?
1: Yeah, the cohort is called your digital identity. We're going to actually be doing the cohort on August 14th, but we're going to start. I may actually look at the date. What date do I have planned for when we're going to launch this? Uh, we're going to start, we're going to open up the doors for it on August 4th. So people will be able to say come check me out on twitter we're going to be giving away like so much stuff we're going to give away some free spots for it um, as well because we do uh, just want to have like get as many people excited about this as possible whether people want to pay for it or not it's something we really believe in like so freaking bullish on and we've spent six months trying to make it a meaningful experience for the people that are part of it and we just are so excited about it! We just want to share it. So we'll give it we'll give so much of it away for free. Just like come check it out. We're so excited about it. So that's all I really have to say. Just come check it out on Twitter. And you'll see everything, and I hope that you get excited about it.
0: Good stuff. Yeah, and this should be releasing August fourth, the day the doors open. So if you're listening to this on August fourth, check it out. I I can vouch for taylor He knows stuff. So. Anyways, man, I appreciate you doing this again. This is always fun. We'll have to do round three maybe in like another six months.
1: Definitely. Maybe the next one will be in person, man. You never
0: know. Hey, if you come to Costa Rica, let's do it. There we go. You never know. Yes. All right, man. Appreciate you. All right. Cool.